adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. Asma Mohammed and this is Better Daily Podcast. If you are new or you just stumbled upon this episode or the link to the show or something, welcome. Please subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and you could also leave a rating or reveal to help improve the show and don't forget to follow the show on social media as well at Better Daily Pod on Instagram and at underscore Better Daily on Twitter. So quick announcement, I have been trying to get a website for the show. I know for most people, you just go to the podcast app and listen, but I want the website out there just for like a little bit extra stuff. And I hope I'm able to make it really cool. Link to the website will be in the episode description box if you want to check it out. So today I am with Fauzia. Fauzia Zakaria. Rosia, hi. Uh, hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> hi, everyone. Very exciting news about the website. So yeah. I am also looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, well thank you. Done. <laughs> well, if you are a long-time listener or even if you're new, but you went back and listened to old episodes. But as they should. As they should, yes. <laughs> you would know that Fauzia has been a recurring guest co-host for a couple of episodes and it's always nice having her on so what's up Fauzia? what's new what have you been up to hi good evening everyone it's just good evening same... anyway right. we're recording this in the evening as tired as we are but <laughs> we got to do it um it's been same old same old you know i'm still out here mm-hmm Listening to Better Me Daily every Sunday. <laughs> That's I'm cool. Yes, you have been sweet. Thanks. I'm just basically trying to survive and live each day as it comes. I'm tired of worrying and stuff. So, like, I'm just letting everything go and, I, go and I'm like, I'm on a, we'll see how everything goes vibe at yeah. this point. Yeah. I get it. Because I, I can't come and kill myself. <sighs> anyway, but you're also putting out awesome newsletters. So there's that. I am. Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I read your latest newsletter. I I liked the topic, like, who who is a nice person? Yeah, like how do we actually define who a nice person is? It's really subjective when you think about it, and how a person is your experience with one person is not the same experience another person has with that same person, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to text you after reading it, but I was like, no, I'm recording an episode with Falzia, so I'm going to wait till then oh, before I talk about so it so nice. that everybody can see how awesome her newsletters are. And then when you said that we have to reconcile who we're in the past with who we are today and who we hope to be in the future, otherwise other people may suffer for it. I, I was like, my friend is dropping knowledge. Oh, she oh, is dropping oh. knowledge. You know it. You know it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I guess I, I can send you a link um, so you can put in the description box so people yes, know guys so you, you can subscribe for her newsletter and be getting awesome 
awesome knowledge once in a while because how how often do you do you don't have a fixed time yet yes no like um like in relation to my previous answer like i'm just trying to take it a day at a time but i normally try to do at least one every month okay yeah all right well you guys should check the episode description box so that you can sign up for the newsletter okay so Today's topic, as you've most probably already seen, is about childhood trauma and adverse childhood experiences. We are going to be pulling from and quoting different sources as well. I mostly will be. Fauzia is just like a fountain of knowledge at this point. <laughs> While also discussing our inputs and our own experiences. So, yeah, we'll just get into it. First, what is trauma and what is considered a traumatic childhood? While trauma has many definitions, typically in psychology, it refers to an experience of serious adversity or terror or the emotional or psychological response to that experience. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health, childhood trauma is defined as the experience of an event by a child that is painful or or distressful which often results in lasting mental and physical effects. Now, I don't think it's possible, in fact, it is literally impossible, to talk about childhood trauma and not mention ACE. Uh, And ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And that's what we use to set the scene for the conversation. I'm going to, like, give a general intro-ish. And then Fauzia is going to talk about how it affects adulthood. So uh, ACE, which I already said stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, originated in a groundbreaking study conducted in 1995 by the Centers for Disease Control. And in that study, it refers to adversity children face in the environment, which are roughly grouped in three. One, various forms of abuse. Two, neglect. And three, a dysfunctional household. Now, this study didn't just set out to recognize and name these adversities. It also gave us shocking statistics and the harmful outcome of these adversities, which Fauzi is going to get into. But first, let's expand on those three. So number one, forms of abuse, under which we have emotional abuse, we have verbal abuse, physical and sexual abuse. Then neglect could be emotional neglect or physical neglect. And household challenges include domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, parental separation or divorce, and incarcerated parents. They later on revised all of this to also include some environmental and societal factors that make lasting impacts and trauma, such as racism, war, poverty, terrorism, etc., so, uh, the statistics, well, I feel like we'll cover that, but, well, yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> so, you've covered a lot of ground, so that's why. So, like you said, um, Adverse Childhood Experiences, or is is categorized into three. It is abuse, whether physical, emotional, sexual. It is neglect, whether physical, emotional neglect. Or it is household dis- um, dis- 
dysfunction, whether it's mental, you have a parent with like a mental health issue, or you have a parent that's like has been missing or is incarcerated, or you have or you are in a household where like um, intimate partner violence or domestic violence took place, so you saw a lot of violence directed towards your mother, for instance. Or, like, you had a parent with, like, alcohol issues or substance abuse issues. Um, These are some of the things that could lead to adverse um, childhood experiences. And I know that, like, sometimes when we think of adverse or when you hear adverse childhood experiences, you might think um, that doesn't apply to me because you think of the big things. You probably think of... um, death or violence like we said but like it covers a whole lot of different issues um there's even some the one there's even um neglect which is like physical emotional neglect physical neglect could be maybe um as a child you know your parents are supposed to provide for you and you're supposed to be like one of their top priorities if not the top priority um so if you have not if you're not giving things like um clothing shelter if those are not top priorities that's physical neglect or emotional neglect if you didn't feel loved or you didn't feel like um you the attention you had wasn't really given to you um or like you didn't feel like you you were emotionally taken care of that's emotional neglect and then abuse as we know the physical emotional and sexual abuse so now how those things um show up in our future is a little bit of what i'm going to be talking about um and you know you know sometimes i always say this that like most of the decisions that we make or many of the decisions that we make, we think that we make them like as logical decisions. I know a lot of us pride ourselves in, oh, I make logical decisions. <laughs> I think of the right and wrong and I just come and I come to the right logical conclusion. Yes, I'm all logical. I'm not emotional. Uh, yes, and I'm sorry to say <laughs> that... <laughs> Okay, you may think it is logical, but it is logical to you for a reason. Or let me put it that way. You make what we call logical um, decisions because of a reason you get. Um, Let me not even get into that because it may not even have to be adverse. But like your childhood childhood and the experience you faced during your childhood shapes you a lot more that than you think you know so many things are it's like a connected string so many things are connected between childhood and um adulthood you know so um s is linked to a number of things in adulthood it's linked to chronic um chronic health problems these are like actual physical problems you get actual physical health issues um blood pressure um stroke um things like that then it's also lead to mental health issues like studies show that if you go through um adverse childhood experiences you you'll be in a much higher position to get like depression or to get depressed and your depression cycles may last longer and then you have that chronic depression long-term depression yet and then i know i have talked on this podcast about like trauma cycles and it's easy to go it's also like when you face adverse childhood experiences it's easy to 
um, to repeat those same cycle, um, um, circles again or those same cycles again. Remember when I said that if you probably had a childhood that is that has been tainted with probably intimate partner violence or domestic violence because it is much easier to repeat what we know. It is much more familiar yeah. to repeat what we know. It's easier, it's familiar, it's like reflex doing what we know. So it's easier to to repeat those circles so if you faced um violence or something it will be easier for you it will be easier or it will be more familiar to repeat those circles so either finding yourself in like an abusive relationship or being like um the perpetrator yeah Mm-hmm. being the one to do the abuse yes being the one to do the abuse yes so these are the kind of things that um is actually influences a lot and um i know it might seem bleak now but with a lot of therapy especially um someone that is um someone that is trained or well trained in childhood trauma and overcoming trauma that would help someone to like move on from uh or move on or heal okay um so let me just go a little let me go into the statistics now Mm -hmm. and they are interesting and wild and before i continue i just want to state that these statistics i just want to point out that these statistics while they are crazy i think their uh, study population was more of like European and Western, and well, I I I do not want to be pessimistic about it, but I do believe that these statistics would be at least the same, if not higher, in our own environment. Mm-hmm. So, the statistics are. <laughs> Sixty-seven percent of the population have at least one adverse childhood experience. Mm-hmm. One in eight people have more than four adverse childhood experiences, and four or more adverse childhood experiences. So that means one in eight people. This means that you have three times the level of lung disease and adult smoking. You have mm-hmm. fourteen times. The number of suicide attempts, mm-hmm. 4.5 times more likely to develop depression, 11 yeah, times I was trying to say that the time. level of intravenous drug abuse, two times the level of liver disease. So, and then people with six or more adverse childhood experiences can die 20 years earlier than those who have none. So, those are the statistics. Mm. I think it's it's wild. Here they wrote, adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. They are. They are. You know. And it is it is related to a lot of things. Um, yeah. For example, take... Sometimes your adverse childhood experiences is actually caused by your own parents' unresolved adverse childhood experiences or childhood yep. trauma. If you have parents who have not dealt with theirs, who have not healed from that, who have not found a resilient way of coping, you might have, because of the effects, you might have anxious parents or you might have like a parent that was, that um, probably um, died through, um, due to chronic illness. 
or, hosp or was hospitalized or you may have parents who are very overprotective you know they don't allow you um do anything or go outside and then this in Me. turn causes like adverse childhood experiences for you <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a a, a a big circle or cycle and then it can also be multi-generational you know yeah. it can also be intergenerational so it's 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 a big issue and like you said it's um it's also connected to chronic illnesses like heart disease liver disease diabetes cancers and you know what i found interesting is that um you know when you're in this kind of uh environment when you're in a highly stressful ex environment you know mm -hmm. probably because of um maybe the violence at home or maybe the emotional neglect that you've been feeling and i think even pointing on that emotional neglect i think many of us at this part of the world knowing the culture around um parenting and everything i'm not sure many of us actually got that especially as children that's emotional stability or something that we yes. may need as children you know um so so um because of all those things like you feel stressed right you are in yeah. a constant high stress response mode you are always trying to respond to stress and this mode can promote chronic inflammation dampen a person's immune system and impair the body's regular maintenance and rebuilding so it's so it's so um I don't know, it's such a connection be between the emotional stress that you're probably feeling and then like physical um, health issues or physical problems. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it also leads to like, of course, um, mental health, you know, and uh, like I was saying, the stress affects our mental health, which then affects our physical health. And then do you know that um there has actually also been um studies that shows that it actually changes our brain like our brain changes when a child experiences chronic unsupported stress it affects their genes and it also changes the shape of their brains you know i'm reading this fantastic book um uh the body keeps the score and Ooh, yes, I, I i listened to the summary of that book it's such a great resource at how trauma actually um changes our body um physiologically yeah you know um so back to mental health even anxiety in addition to depression depression people with high um ACE scores are also more likely to um, experience generalized um anxiety um people with ACE are also like associated with um, so, um, less socially stable behavior like social issues such as like um, um, drug use or substance abuse, alcoholism, um, risky sexual activities. Yeah. You know, they are also more likely to have a higher risk of sexual violence and intimate partner violence. And then this is also something you've touched on before. I remember the episode you made about attachment styles. Yes. Yes. A lot of how you were treated at childhood or a lot of things you experienced at childhood also affects like the kind of attachment styles you have. 
I remember even think is saying something about the anxiety, anxiety induced at like attachment styles. It also stems from childhood. Maybe you were neglected or you were abandoned, and now like you have fear of being abandoned in your adult relationships, and then it translates to how you attach yourself to that person. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's a lot of things, and then when you add up all these things, you get um you notice that if you have um, adverse childhood experiences, because of all the things it can lead to, there's a possibility that you die earlier, you get, because of yeah. the chronic health issues, um, the mental health disorders, the risky behaviors, the social instability that you might have. It's just, it's, it, I find it somehow fascinating, but also somehow scary. So like I like I mentioned earlier, like I think one of the best ways to move forward with this is to sort of do a lot of self-awareness and I'll always advocate for therapy. And then in this case, find a therapist that is highly trained in childhood trauma and advice childhood experiences to help you navigate it. Okay, so to reiterate on everything you said, I want to pull a quote from that TED Talk we're talking about. Yeah. So this TED Talk is titled How Childhood Trauma Affects Health Across a Lifetime by Nadine Burke Harris. So here's just like a quote and then we would analyze everything she said. Quote, we now understand better than we ever have before how exposure to early adversity affects the developing brains and bodies of children. It affects areas like the nucleus accumbens, the pleasure and reward center of the brain that is implicated in substance dependence. It inhibits the the prefrontal cortex, which is necessary for impulse control and executive function, a critical area for learning. And on MRI scans, we see measurable differences in the amygdala the brain's fear response center. So there are real neurological neurologic reasons why folks exposed to high doses of adversity are more likely to engage in high-risk behavior, and that's important to know. But it turns out that even if you don't engage in any high-risk behavior, you are still more likely to develop heart disease or cancer. The reason for this has to do with the hypothalamic pituitary adrenaline axis, the brain's and body's stress response system that governs our fight or flight response. When this system is activated over and over and over and over again, and it goes from being adaptive or life-saving to maladaptive or health-damaging. And children are especially sensitive to this repeated stress activation because their brains and bodies are just developing. High doses of adversity not only affects brain structure and function, they affect the developing immune system, developing hormonal systems, and even the way our DNA is read and transcribed. End quote. Wow. So, yes, like that's, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. That and is a lot. You, you know, you, you are the medical student here, so you, you are the one that can translate all that jargon. But me, all I know is that <laughs> it changes your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, basically, what the main takeaway of this, or the main takeaways are, so a child obviously has a, a developing brain. Their, their yeah. brains are still developing. Mm-hmm. And... So the nucleus accumbens is the pleasure and reward center of the brain. 
Mm-hmm. And when in studies of substance dependence, it is the part of the brain that has been found to be most affected. Mm. So this now this kind of explains the substance dependence that people that experience adverse childhood experiences have. And then it inhibits the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is that part of your brain that is literally at the front and is necessary for impulse control. But then when it is inhibited, you now find that people are more impulsive and they engage in high-risk behavior. And then, like you said, there's measurable um, differences in amygdala, which is the brain's fear response center. So this also affects the fear response that is also uh, linked to the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Now, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is basically like for the case of this conversation, just think of it as the pathway to your stress response. Mm-hmm. Adrenaline, cortisol, all the things that help you survive. But then when this pathway is repeatedly activated, more than the normal level, it now causes high increase of the stress hormones on the body. Yeah. And high increase of the stress hormones of, on the body is going to affect the tissues in negative ways. Mm-hmm. And these are children that are still growing. So like yeah. you can imagine. And then uh, one thing in that uh, the body keeps score that I remember re- reading or rather hearing is that at, at some point, when you are used to high levels of like these fight or flights or stress hormones in your body, mm-hmm. it becomes your normal. Yes. So very calm situations worry you. Yeah. And so you are looking for things that now raise the level towards your own normal. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see people engaging high risk things or, yes. you know, going back. It's one of the reasons for why people go back to or repeat to, the cycles yeah, they're exposed to. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're, you're so right. You're on point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... And, uh, you know, even small things like... um I remember we've had this discussion before. Small things like people-pleasing yes. can also be, tra- um, be uh, traced back to, like, your childhood or if you had, like, an anxious childhood where you only felt secure and safe and comfortable or loved when you made someone happy or when your actions only made someone happy. That was when you felt all those things, you know. When yes. when that person was unhappy or something, then you didn't feel loved or secure, then that's that's another thing that like um adverse childhood experience could do to you. Yeah. Uh, and especially you know? when or also when you notice that you are given more attention when you are when you are useful. Yes, yes. When you are useful. So you find yourself wanting to be, to be useful, useful and do everything that pleases the other person. Yes. So that exactly. you are deemed useful. So that you are deemed useful or you are deemed worthy of attention. Yes. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, even yeah. eating disorders, uh, um, I remember this new book of this girl, this woman that came out, um, Janet McCordy, you know, the, uh, uh, something, 
Sometimes I'm happy my mom died or I'm yeah. glad mm-hmm. yes. I'm, oh. I think I've forgotten the name of the book. You know, she talked about how her mother always commented on her, like was always watching her body and her weight since when she was a young girl, she was when she was a child. So like it will catapult into like an eating disorder, you know. Um, adverse childhood experiences also cause like obsessional worries, relationship fears, like we've discussed. You yeah. can have even difficulties trusting, even when it comes to relationships, any kind of relationships, romantic relationships, having difficulties trusting the other person can be as a result of some things that you faced in childhood. Low self esteem yes. is also a big deal, it's also a big thing. Like, it's so low self-esteem is so easily traceable it's like a straight line <laughs> when you when you are constantly put down a child yes and like, you have come to associate yourself with those things that were said to you that were said about it's you, very difficult to not believe you otherwise yeah i mm. no. there's also fear of being judged yeah uh outbursts of frustration or even social anxiety like um not having like the correct social skills when when you're an adult or na- trying to not knowing how to navigate a room you get there are so many ex- um, experiences or so many impacts that adverse childhood experiences have yeah um i'm currently reading viola davis's memoir mm-hmm. uh finding me i haven't gotten to the part where she explores her adulthood yet so i have mostly in the parts of her childhood and something something he said just made me remember it so she talks about how you know uh she was always put down she was one of the she was in fact she was the only black kid in her neighborhood at some point mm. and she was the only black kid in her school and you know some a group of boys which is her at the end every time school ends and they hear the bell people are running home she she's running like literally running for her life because they they had made it a thing to always find her at the end of school and beat her up and they were always using racial slurs at her and insulting her and so many things that she internalized she never felt beautiful she never felt pretty so much so that the day her mother told her the story of her birth like Mm -hmm. her mother said Vahla, because that's how her mother pronounces her name. The day you were born was the day of great joy to everyone. And then when her mom finished, she was like, is that it? And her mom said yes. And she she remembers thinking that she was waiting for more on that. Hmm. Like she was waiting for something bad that happened because of her birth or like something. And I'm just like, as a kid, she was already thinking in those ways. So how would this have would affected her? And did her adults? Yeah. There was a time when they were at a camp, like uh, an acting camp. Uh, she and her sister, they just like they were talking about boys, like together with the other camp members, and they talked about how they had never had boyfriends because nobody in their environment, in their society, deemed them beautiful. They were like, "Well, we are not." When when asked why, they said, "Well, we are not beautiful." Not they don't think we're beautiful. It was more like mm. we're not beautiful. Yeah, just straight up, straight up. So they've already they've already internalized all of that. Yeah. Ah, and then uh, something he said about uh, generational, you know, trauma effects, generational mm. effects and trauma and all of that. So I, I kind of not not I kind of I do have 
anxiety it might not be to the level where you know some people will be like oh she has really bad anxiety but i know i i have it and i know most of it came from how i grew up because i'm pretty sure my dad has it as well Mm. like you can tell in how he acts loud sounds scare him Mm. news like any anything he he easily gets worried and i recognized myself there and you know how uh people with um so people with generalized anxiety it's easier for them to develop other forms of anxiety Mm-hmm. So there was a time I had an experience in the car, like a near uh, car crash. And since then, I had some form of PTSD. And you know how if you have generalized anxiety, your your chances of of uh, having all these things, like I just said, increases. But then also little things can spook, yeah. can spook these things. So I remember for a long time, I was scared of being in the car. And it got better, but till now, being being in the car at night, I I Mm. can barely function. Mm. And then also, whenever I'm indoors for so long and I haven't been out, I get Mm. some form of like social anxiety when I'm going out. Going out, yeah, because it it scares me. If someone tells me that we should go out, I'm like, okay, fine. But towards the time for us to get together, (laughs) I'm praying that it's cancelled because yes, I'm panicking. And the longer I stay in indoors, the worse it gets. But because of how bad it gets, I keep staying indoors. And then me and my sister were talking about this and how my dad definitely has anxiety. And I was like, I wonder where he got his from. Then she said, Oh, his father. I was like, what do you mean? She said one day she was talking to him and he's she asked him why does he always get scared? Like why does he get spooked? Why does and he said, Oh, his dad was like that too. Mm. Oh, wow. so like i you i can see like, it's going through i, I can see it exactly i can see it mm. how when we were younger my dad always feared us going out and mm. it, it like we, it has kind of become a thing for us to always think about the worst things that could happen yeah in every given situation oh my god yeah oh my god but this is the thing like when you get self-awareness, it's like there's a lot, whole lot of self-awareness. So what am I supposed to do with this knowledge now that I'm fucked up? Forgive my French. <laughs> <laughs> because I get it. And you know, sometimes too, I like I trace some of my um, behaviors too with, um, to my parents. But like, you know, it's very difficult to have these kind of conversations with them because of, yes. you know, the whole... The whole culture here, you can't just come and say like, now I think from the things we've had, I think you might actually have anxiety. How about counseling and everything? It's just, no, who told you that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine? <laughs> Did I tell you I'm not fine? You know, who said I, I need said, to talk to someone? Who said I'm I need okay. To talk to I'm okay. You know, and just be like, God, it's not me that will not be okay. Things like that, you get. Yeah. So, it's just it's it's very funny how a lot of the things even a lot of the behaviors we do now or the things because i remember doing some things now that i remember thinking in actual adult um childhood sorry that i will never ever do this thing and fast forward years later i just find myself doing doing it and i'm like oh my god (laughs) this is such a parent's behavior you know and so that's the thing about childhood you're you're embracing and you're learning a lot of things and that's why if your childhood is so adverse you know instead of quirky little things that 
you you saw or met your parents doing then you're tr- you're kind of repeating the cycles of of uh adverse experiences or bad environments that you had yeah. growing up yeah so i'm going to read like a little bit from an article me and fauzia initially wanted to use for the source of this discussion until we realized that we had so much more we wanted to talk about but the article still has a lot that you know is relevant so i'm just going to be reading through it and fauzia please feel free to come in whenever you want okay all right so the link to this article will be in the episode description box it is from michigan ace initiative uh okay so what causes trauma in childhood sometimes as in physical or sexual abuse trauma is quite obvious but there are many kinds of childhood trauma that you might not identify as trauma at all neglect is also traumatic and so Mm -hmm. is the loss of a parent a serious childhood illness a learning disability that left you doubting yourself too many siblings a detached emotionally unavailable or anxious parent even yeah. your parents own childhood trauma like what i just mentioned <laughs> yeah childhood neglect means that your emotional or physical needs were not attended to this may be because your parents were overwhelmed or preoccupied or because of the mental illness of one or both making them expect you to be the parent take care of the other kids or do many more household chores than any child should i just want to add quick interruption here did you see that video on twitter that little girl that was crying um yeah about the brother not listening yes she was so small she was just tired and she sounded tired and god i I, my heart my heart broke watching that video you could feel the tiredness in her and they kept saying yeah the elder sister you're supposed to be taking care she's still a child like you know did you robin so like robbing someone of childhood of like yes. the innocence and then the freedom that childhood comes with you know <sighs> and i don't want to get too technical but like there's also like a a sexism factor there yes. you know as as women are seen as natural and everything and as she's the other sister so that's supposed to be a first step for her to learn how to nurture you get yeah so I, I feel like if it was an elder brother dynamic, the dynamic it would have it's, changed. Yes, it yes. wouldn't have been exactly like that. Been, yes, yes, because now she's kind of doing mothering, mothering duties. You get so yeah. So um, okay, let's continue. Quote: Whatever was the cause, your needs for nurturing and care went unseen, were pushed aside, or were greatly resented. A child should never be exploited because of a parent's needs. Mm. A child's emotional and physical needs should come first. If yours did not, you experienced neglect. Mm. Losing a parent to death or abandonment early in your life is a trauma. No matter how nurtured you were by by other relatives or your remaining parents, this kind of loss runs deep. If your sadness wasn't seen or heard or allowed, then that loss leaves on more lives on even more significantly inside you you needed or may still need a chance to mourn Mm. because you learned much too early that a needed loved one can suddenly go away or be taken away you grow up afraid of loss even if you lost your parents in 
your early 20s this is a vulnerable time you may fear closeness because closeness and need signify possible loss most unresolved childhood trauma affects self-esteem and creates anxiety did you suffer a serious childhood illness if so you were likely isolated at home or hospitalized this means being removed from normal social activities and you probably felt lonely maybe even worried about being different Maybe now you feel less socially confident because of it and find yourself not sure where you fit in. Hospitalization also means separation from parents, often traumatizing medical procedures and frequently fear. This can leave you with anxiety that persists. If your attachments to your parents were secure and they were available and supportive, that helps. If not, you may now feel insecure in, impo in important relationships. Yeah. If you struggled to learn and had dyslexia or ADHD or any other learning problem, you likely felt different or compared yourself unfavorably to the other kids. Learning problems are particularly difficult to live with if they went undiagnosed and you didn't get sufficient help. Even very smart kids end up thinking they aren't smart at all. This has a very negative impact on your self-image. You, you might have tried very hard to do better and better struggling against challenges you couldn't control or maybe you give in and give up either you are still too perfectionistic trying always to please but never feeling good enough or you feel always behind and can't get ahead i just want to point out here that i also feel like pressure pressure from childhood can find a way to just make you i don't know in adulthood for example let's say you were like the smart kid the smart yeah. kid in nursery school in primary school secondary school you're the one that you called the the most uh promising and mm -hmm. you won all these awards top People of the class like, oh, yeah, top of the class the golden child uh <laughs> Local champion, like some people would say. Mm -hmm. And and now you just feel so much pressure. Like you can't make mistakes. Yeah. You, you cannot afford to make mistakes. So now you find yourself trying to be too perfectionistic. And you're always trying to please and do well. Even to venture into things that uh, are not necessarily for you, but you feel you need to do for others. I feel like that, that also counts. That That definitely counts that counts yes no and I, so, I feel like what you just read like mentioned um mentioned many many things or almost everything that advanced childhood experiences could consist of yeah um okay i and this is so long i'm going to try to condense it as much as i can uh okay so are you one in a family of many kids? Did you feel like there was never enough to go around? That's often the case in families with a lot of children. Resources are limited, especially if you're all born close together. And especially if your mother was tired, beluggered, and preoccupied with a sibling that seemed to always need more. Or if you were the oldest, expected to care for the younger ones, what we just spoke about. As loving as you might be convinced your family was, or maybe you didn't feel that way at all, being a child among many siblings can be traumatic. You might have felt lost among the many, not seen or heard, pushed aside, left out, and very much alone. This sibling situation can leave a child emotionally neglected and feeling unloved. 
You might even feel you have to push your needs aside or be the giver in order to be loved. What we, kind of what we said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you may live with deep hunger for the love you feel you can and never will find. Wow. Perhaps you had an anxious parent, one that was afraid, expected catastrophe, hid away from people or didn't trust. Hmm. A parent's anxiety can seep into a child's pores and leave you traumatized, constantly worried, and living with the same kinds of anxieties your parents had without even knowing it happened. I feel seen right now. <laughs> I feel seen <laughs> right now. <laughs> An emotionally detached or anxious parent was probably traumatized too. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is where it now goes into like transgenerational trauma. The next line, I promise the next line says there is definitely such a thing as transgenerational trauma. Yeah. That that covered a lot of things. (laughs) As Nigerians we say Ibitins. Ibitins. Ibitins indeed. And um one one thing, like okay, as we're mentioning the three core classifications of yeah. childhood experiences um they expanded it to also include like war terrorism insurgency hunger mm. poverty and yeah. there are so many children going through those things right now very much uh very much very much even like poverty yes. you know even poverty could link link to transgenerational trauma because how your parents um interact or how your parents navigate the issue of finances and money and spending money you also like you also take a lot of that behavior a lot of those traits from your parents you know or even um hunger you know i remember you know nigerian um, parents are telling us this line don't you know there are a lot of hungry children outside if they deem you wasting too much food or Yes, or if they say you're not eating enough, I'll be like, there are a lot of children, even me back in my childhood, we didn't have as much as this, and you, you have this, and then you're you're not eating, you know, like, those are some of the pointers to the fact that, that they actually had tough childhoods, too. Oh, my God. Can I can I quickly just say something about what you just said? Yeah. So, uh, it's quite opposite of what you, of what you said, but that whole, you know, there are people out there that don't have food, or... That thing sort of yeah. ruined me younger. Because mm. while I'm doing the dishes, if I see food that is remaining mm. in the fridge, I find myself eating it so it doesn't waste. Yeah. I'm full. I can't eat anymore. But I don't want it to waste. It's yeah. so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. But I totally, I, I like, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Get because me too, the relationship I have with money <laughs> is like it's it's a lot influenced from you get uh childhood and everything and how you were taught about money you get yeah and then and then get this so i you you know this now when we were in primary school together, my growth spot came faster than everybody else's, mhm. Like I was always the tallest. Yeah, I was. I was the tallest. I remember so, that. Uh, I used to get comments like, "Oh, this girl, you're going to be very fat when you grow up. Wow. You're going to be so big." Uh, the one that always sticks to me till now is, on your wedding day, you really don't carry your husband, not the other way around. Oh, sick. This, yeah, there are so many issues in that statement. 
so i i found myself having unhealthy uh behavior with food it wasn't mm-hmm. like you know i was uh um throwing it up or the symbol i found myself not eating certain foods because i was scared that they make me angry like for example i i completely dumped milo because i heard that oh. taking lots of milo makes you fat but, okay. and then i would eat so much and i i now went to boarding school so that added to it i had provisions i would not use them mm-hmm. i went into that's when i started uh quote-unquote exercising <laughs> because oh my I, god <laughs> yeah like i started so young and well you know there's there's always a bright side i I love that i started exercising because i really like doing that but i know that i didn't start with the best intentions yes you didn't start from a healthy place i didn't start from that and even till now that phrase you will be carrying your husband on a wedding day it sticks to me so every single time i find myself like i always question my femininity because wow. of that you know as we went to the same primary school so after this podcast call you finna tell me some names because i want to know <laughs> I, I, what if it's a secondary school is this secondary school what if even though you still tell me some names you know i can't i can't trace anyone it's easy for me <laughs> to trace anyone yeah, tell but me I, if it is also summer lesson because I know that I know people from summer lessons. No problem. I'll I'll give you their names. Thanks. Look out, world! Faldia is coming out on Avengers mission. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the reason I mentioned that was because it's one of the reasons why I decided to do this topic. Like me and my friend Ziabi, unfortunately, I really wanted her to be on this episode with us, but she couldn't be. Like we always just randomly talk about how things that we 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 were told or uh, uh traumas from childhood how it has really shaped the decisions we make Look and right now yeah 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 so that's why sometimes in my mind when people say like they make only logical decisions i just laugh like i'm like even the fact that you're saying that let's look at this logically stems from like the, the logically the, 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 the logic is still stemmed in your own bias and your yes. own perspective of things yes yes your own bias and your own perspective of things and how do you form a perspective you form a perspective from the things that you learned as childhood and how to yep. as a child sorry on how to survive exactly. yes so oh deep deep <laughs> Okay, uh, so I, I kind of just want to say this. Um, based on those statistics mentioned earlier, I just want to point out that those statistics were made based on if everything was black and white. Mm. It doesn't take into account things that might have questioned these experiences. For example, mm-hmm. a loving parent, even in the presence of other um, adverse experiences, a loving mm-hmm. parent or like a supportive community or other adult figure in the person's life might reduce some of these um risks and chances and yeah. also other good things may have happened to like balance out some of the bad things so i just wanted to point that out mm-hmm. yeah so it's not it's not all doom and gloom <laughs> so what's the way forward for adverse childhood experiences um, I think I've mentioned this earlier, yes. but 
the best thing to do for me um as uh, as a therapy advocate is like a lot of self-awareness which i think both of us have started dancing on the threshold of that now <laughs> um then the next thing is to go to therapy and not just any form of therapy not just any form of counseling you have to be with a counselor that understands like childhood trauma and how to deal with adverse childhood experiences and how to navigate that situation so that you can form um, resilient positive coping mechanisms in your adulthood so you're not just reacting or the way not so that the actions you take in adulthood or the decisions you make in adulthood are not just a reaction to the things you faced in childhood they're not just a response but like they're actually you know well thought out uh responses or well thought out behaviors that are positive things in your life so yeah, yeah. Does <laughs> that's you sounded you sounded like a true mental health advocate. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, I also think it's very important to go to the root of the problem, and oh. that's all these childhood experiences. Like, okay, so the therapy is to is to fix what has already happened, mm-hmm. but for preventive measures. The government needs to put some things in place. Oh my god, yes, there need to be so many social so many policies and social good factors, social good policies that could yes. help these children, you know. You know, in some it's in a case, I guess, um is is part of why the US um I think why the or is part of what the US is um I forgot the foster care system was supposed to be about, you get. Yeah, it's just that it's not doing very well at the moment. Unfortunately, we know that sometimes it can be the cause of the problem itself. Yes, exactly. So there need to be um various social or communal kind of uh cushion effects or cushion care yeah. that could help people help children because there are a lot of in fact there are some people that I see or there are some communities that I see right now um that when when I See so many common things happening I'm, I'm just like like this can be traced tr- to trauma and like just the same cycle of trauma repeating itself you know um for example i read this book um the um autobiography of this comedian her name is patricia williams and when she talks about her childhood what she experienced in her childhood how her mother was her mother was very neglectful her mother had um a drinking issue i think so um and her mother got pregnant really early so that just degenerated she she got pregnant first at 13 i guess all her sisters too got pregnant really early most of them didn't finish high school you get so it's just yeah. like it, it ran around trauma that i think that uh there, is, there needs to be a lot of social good policies in place that will yeah. help at least mitigate the effects. Yep. And there needs to be like a roadblock for this cycle. Otherwise, the cycle keeps going round. Yes. Around. Exactly. And then uh, this lady, that TED Talk I quoted, she mentioned how it's also important, like physicians and, you know, people that are working on this, people that are experts and you know it's their job to 
go to at-risk communities and try to recognize people with adverse experiences and try to make things somewhat better for them. For them, yes, yes. Yeah. So that is, I think that is it for the discussion. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I'm proud of us because when I'm we got this call, you should have heard our voices, people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to sleep off while we were talking. I can't even lie. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Fauzia. And I know I'm going to have you again and again. Because uh, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, at this point, I'm a co-host. You and I are. love it. I, yeah, want it. I love it. It's Give one of the advantages of having a smart friend that is doing doing. So I'm lucky. Oh, I'm lucky. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Don't forget to send that link. I won't. I won't. Thank you very much. So, guys, that is all today. I hope you've learned something new. And, yeah. Uh, See you on the next episode. See you. Don't forget to interact. If there's anything you want to drop, any comments. Yes. Any questions, your own experiences. Just feel free to tweet. Even any critique. Just drop it. Yes. Drop it for us. (laughs) Any corrections. Yes, any corrections too. Good. Yeah. Hear it. All right. Uh, see you all on the next episode. Bye. See you all on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for having <laughs> me. A smile. Bye. Everyone. Thank you for coming. Bye bye. <laughs>